Hey, look who it is. Back again on your head top. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? Chili Bank Show, season two. Episode two was popping. I'm so excited. Um, last time we had Jacques Morel, he was so amazing. Thank you so much, Jacques, if you're listening to this. Shout I, out to Jacques. Yes, that was the coolest. Such a cool guy, man. Like, really made me want to do another one, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, yeah, what's been going on? Um, you know, last time I talked to y'all, I was actually on my way to Jamaica for my birthday. And I actually have kind of like two guests today, right? So one of my guests actually been on the show before. Uh, before we get to him, though, Strifey. Yo, introduce. what's popping, people? There we go. I almost forgot what's you, bro. Popping? I got nah, too excited. So good, so good. <laughs> no, I'm here. My bad. Um, but yeah, so I have another guest here. We're going to talk about my trip. Um, I know... Again, you know, put it on Instagram and people seem to really be intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the elegance, you know, but <laughs> we definitely going to talk about it. But before I get into that, I want to introduce again for the second time. This is my first do-over, <laughs> which is dope. But DJ motherfucking Harris. What's good? What's Let's good? Let's go. DJ was probably my good, back, He's man. back. <laughs> yeah. Not he's back. My favorite podcast. Yeah, <laughs> You already know. DJ. DJ's in the building, y'all. Did it again. Back. Flew from Cali with a backpack. <laughs> and that's it. One day trip. We here. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I had to pull up for this one. This one's going to be big. Yeah, this one's going to be dope. DJ, what's popping, man? I haven't seen you in three weeks. Exactly. Last time I seen <laughs> you, we was real elegant. Yes, amazing. So... <laughs> We went to Jamaica. Um, it was a big birthday for me. So I was like, man, like I want to do a big. But let me tell you really what the plan was, right? So I never had like a real structured birthday party. Like I've thrown parties at like clubs and stuff like that. But I never like threw my own parties. So I said to myself, I was like, you know what? I want to throw a paid and full themed party. And that was my goal. I was like, should I do belly or paid and full? But because of, I guess... My creativeness, right? And my, I guess you call it like OCD or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> I noticed that when people do paid and full parties, they be looking like 80s parties. And I'm like, nah, that's not it. So I was trying to rent Willie Burger's truck. <laughs> yeah, <I was> trying, <laughs> the venue was crazy. So, and I was, it was like a 360 uh, screen in the spot. It fit like a couple hundred people. So it was going to be something huge. Yeah. And paid in full was going to play the whole thing. We had, you know, I wanted like prop money to fall from the sky. Okay. Like, yeah. this is where I was going with it, right? Mm-hmm. So boom, you know, I'm very organized. So I put all my numbers together. All right, boom, 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 boom. I went to my man and I was like, yeah, so uh, I priced everything else out. But the spot. Like, literally, just the spot. And I'm talking about the venue space, Mm -hmm. the, like, you know, comes the security management cleanup. Mm -hmm. I mean, that shit was like 12K. He was like, fuck out of here. I know. I'm very familiar with that. (laughs) Writing out venues. Yeah, no. So, plan B, which actually I I feel like was way better. Because also what you think about, you spend that much money on a party, people may not be able to make it, or, you know, last minute, or then you got people showing up you don't really want. It's just... It was too much money and it was too risky. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let's get a villa, pack that shit with my people's friends, family, and let's just ball. This is the Jamaica trip. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is Montego Bay. So, yo, I planned that shit for three months. No bullshit. I was emailing, phone calls, 
invoice this. Like group this chats. shit. Group chats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Making like, sure everybody on schedule. Yeah, yeah. Listen, guys, that shit is a lot of work, okay? Like, I, I've never done anything that big before, but it was a lot of work. But I will say I enjoyed it and it came out beautifully. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the villa itself, right? Drivers. Um, I had to plan the whole menu. You know what I mean? What me and my peoples is going to eat breakfast, yeah, lunch, good. and dinner. Yo. You know what I mean? So, And then you got to satisfy so many people. So it was very um, nerve-wracking. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> right? That's what it sounds like. Because people spending their money too. They want to, you know, have a good time. Yeah, you don't um, want idle time over the vacation. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to kind of like, I don't want to, I didn't want to over-plan it. Like, oh, we're doing this this day and this. Like, listen, we'll book like two activities. Like, what we going to do? Like a night out mm. and then an activity and we'll, you know. And you don't want to waste a day either. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Nah, you did it perfect. It was good. It was, it was fine? Yeah, it was hey. good. You did your thing. Good job, Chardin. <laughs> <laughs> you did your See, thing. See, I mean, you know, regular shit. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna let DJ tell you guys the experience because if I do it, it's just gonna sound like I'm bragging and boasting. <laughs> so he did not get paid for this, guys. But <laughs> DJ, this is not a paid how, advertisement. <laughs> from your eyes, right? How was it? Did you enjoy yourself? First of all, no, nah, it was good. Like you could tell that like she took a lot of planning into it. Um, it definitely took months of uh, planning. She had the butler, driver, chef. Well, I- the crib looked good, you know what I mean? The excursions was fire. The I think the boat the boat the boats boat would took it over the top Word. though. The Word. boat is yeah, you know what I mean? Like we did like some snorkel vibe, right? But um I don't know, like at first everybody was like today self-reserved. Everybody yeah. was like in their own corner, their own yeah. crew. But once the liquor got flowing, <laughs> and everybody got like, then it was just one big yeah. crew. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But I mean, that was the best right there. The Yo, it was so much fun. Yeah. And on it, well, the food, it was like amazing. Like, I think that was the best part. The minute we had those patties, boy, like, yeah. we was, was turned after oh. that. Pool was fire. Like, yo, it was such a good experience. I feel bad. I know, like, a couple people had asked me, like, hey, what are you saying? But it's like, right, you gotta do the not work. right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just give, <laughs> give me a minute. You know what I'm saying? Let me see. Let me see what's yeah, up. Yeah, Let yeah, it cool yeah. off. You yeah. Know, it's too, coming in too quick. Word. And not for nothing, that's, like, such a dope investment. Like, I was talking to him about it. I'm like, yo, a guy from uh, Texas owned it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like doing the math in my head and I'm like, he's making a lot of money right now. Yeah, so I'm like, man, I told I told uh, my man, I was like, yo, let's see what's up. You know what I'm Thanks. saying? Like, that's kind of like my new thing. And plus, the fact that, you know, I was able to put it all together. Like, people want an experience without all of that planning. You know yeah. what I mean? It's really, really tough. But yeah. it was fun. I miss it. We going back. Yeah, that was fire. Yo, the, one of the good nights was when... um. Like, we came back mad late, and we broke into the uh, kitchen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we broke into the kitchen. Yeah, we broke into the kitchen. Yeah, where the chef, like, makes all the food, and we found, like, leftovers, and all I was right. like, oh, we destroyed okay, okay. that. Yeah. We just, <laughs> two in the morning, we went crazy. Yeah. Yo, because, listen, you pay for the food. Yeah. So the food's yours. Yeah, it's like, our it's, food. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. like, you have to, so the way this works, guys, well, this particular villa, you pay for the villa per night. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, you know, everybody has to have cash for tips. You know, mm-hmm. you want to tip the staff. You want to uh, pay the driver, right? Mm-hmm. The driver is like $114 a day. And if you want him to do like nightlife, like you want him to hang out with you, take you around type vibes, it's like 100 flat, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to make sure you have stuff for that. And then the, the groceries. So what they do is they, you know, we sit down, we create a menu together. They go to the store, they buy it, bring you the receipts. This is how much it is. You split that. 
right? Oh, okay. So easy breezy, lemon squeezy, but yeah, nine yeah. people drunk, hungover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Still suffering their face from yesterday. Broke into that and got the food. <laughs> Broke into that bitch. Munchies. And, and listen, I think maybe it was like the second to last day we was there. We still had like four bottles of Patron. Oh, we had like three bottles of champagne left. And we was like, yo, we got to get rid of this shit. Yeah. It's time to go <laughs> and hard. And lo and behold, and, and even uh, the butler, Adrian, we miss you, Adrian, at OD. <laughs> but even he was like, you guys could drink, man. <laughs> but you, we was chilling. We was you should have seen us the next day after we were, we broke into the kitchen and saw what was in there. Like yeah. for lunch, we like, yo, can y'all bring out some ice cream? Like we knew right. everything that was in the back there. <laughs> right. She's so like, was, yo, y'all got some red velvet cake left yeah, back there. Can you, you know what I mean? We was requesting stuff after that. <laughs> well, that's like, a fact. We was requesting. It was so much fun, man. I can't wait to do it again. I think I'm going to just do like a yearly thing. But the next crib, I actually already been researching, y'all. So the next crib, already. yeah, I'm not fucking around. <laughs> it's like 15 people, so that's gonna be difficult, only because you gotta get yeah. a group like that. So that traveling the so, group is very yeah, intense, mad you know? important. Like mm-hmm. you gotta invite people who are going to vibe. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's not just about you, yep. right? Like you don't everybody invite else. an oddball that you just right, right. Everybody or people that time. clash. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You got two friends that are always difficult. You don't want to have invite Things them. Like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to make a choice, B. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to hey. make a choice. There's no harm, no foul. Sometimes but... the bag makes the choice for you. Yeah. That yeah, part too. That's true. how you could eliminate niggas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yo, what's up? Uh, it's three grand, yeah. so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if you want to roll, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Automatic, no. Nah, but it was great. Um, We're looking into another one. Jamaica was awesome, man. Like, I wouldn't mind going to Jamaica again, but I'm sure there's, you know, way more beautiful places. Yeah. But I just like the people, man. Like, the people were nice, and it was, I think, like, my fourth time out there or something like that. I've okay. always liked Jamaica. It's always been a vibe. Um, okay, guys, this is so fucking lit. <laughs> like, I have a guess. Um, we're doing things a little different today, actually. So we're gonna make this interview kind of uh like a one-time deal, right? Hopefully yeah. a one-time deal. I love to see my people's face to face. So hello. Hey, look who it is. We got DJ VIP. What's cracking? Yay. That's fire. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? How you doing? I'm, Happy, uh, what's today, Thursday? Yes, yes. Welcome to the Chillery Bank Show. Happy to be here, virtually. Y- yes, I know. Well, listen, we'll talk all about it. I got your homie here, DJ Harris. Yo, what's good? What's good? What's up, we DJ? locked in for all you. All the way from Carlsbad, California. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy's crazy. Word. Uh, yo, I'm so sorry we couldn't link, link together, but I'm so thankful that you're here. We're all here. We got Stripey here, our engineer, too. So What's poppin', DJ VIP? What's good? What's cracking? How you doing? I'm cooling, man. I'm cooling, man. Good to hear from you, bro. Yes. So, guys, for you who don't know, which you're living under a rock, <laughs> DJ VIP is a Bay Area native. Um, he is a ton of things we're going to talk about. I didn't even know half the stuff. Um, but most famously, uh, Nipsey Hussle's official tour DJ. We're going to get into all of that. But VIP, again, thank you so much. Um, I always start the show just kind of where you from, right? So tell us a little bit about where you come from, where you grew up, and we'll just kind of start from there. Yeah, so I came from the Bay Area, um, Union City to be exact. I spent my whole life there. My my family, my extended family, like 
that's where we 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 all grew from you know um right i i left in 2006 for for college um you know up until that you know played sports and just spent stayed very grounded um locally didn't spend too much time going outside the bay a lot of people you know when i was in college would ask me about you know vallejo and and san francisco Mm -hmm. and san jose and all these different like regions and obviously i know them but like I went straight from being in high school mm-hmm. at 18 straight to college. So like there wasn't much time for me to go like mess around and like have fun, especially cause I was fully engulfed with sports and stuff. Like I wasn't, you know, into the, not, not that it's bullshit, but I wasn't into the bullshit like that. You right, know, I was just, right. just locked on to, to the athletics and stuff and had my fun that summer before I left, but didn't get really too tapped in with, the, the various regions of the Bay to this day, I say that I'm, I got a better like lay of the land when it comes to like Southern California as a whole right. than just my hometown. Cause I'm, I m- might be there maybe once or twice a year now. Oh, right, right. You know, you, I'm from Queens. So as you know, what are some things that you remember just seeing in your neighborhood growing up? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. The neighborhood that I grew up in was pretty quiet. Okay, <laughs> you know what okay. I mean? There wasn't, there weren't like street vendors. There weren't corner shops. Like, you know what I mean? It's a suburban neighborhood. Right. <laughs> um, so like it was literally, it, it's very different, obviously from New York where you could just go outside and hit a corner and you got a corner store. And you know what I mean? Like yeah, it definitely yeah. isn't like that in where I'm from. So yeah. um, if anything, like the, the vibe that I remember the most is just having all my friends around and being outside, you Did know, you guys just, like, like ride being bikes? outside and, yeah, biking, yeah. skateboarding, playing baseball, and like we played baseball in the the tennis courts, you nice. know, with a, a tennis ball and like a little little soft bat, so we weren't stroking it out of the court every time, having to run down the balls. But like that's a lot of my time in the bay just is is consumed with like memories with people and like mm-hmm. doing activities outside. I wasn't like. I don't. I can't tell you about certain cartoons when we were a kid because, like, I didn't watch TV. Yeah, I was, was always outside. outside playing. Right. See, I grew up in Queens, right? And Queens, like, when you think of New York City, Queens is kind of like the suburban part. Like, you see more houses, more yards, more driveways, and things like that. So, same thing. Like, we was always outside. You know, my daughter now, it's like TikTok and Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, we actually played with our mm-hmm. friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And when you think about yeah. it, most of the time, like, you know, people our age, we have friends for 20 years, 25 years, you know, because you really was able to spend time with people. But also, you know what I thought was really interesting, too? I haven't really heard anyone talking to you about your athleticism. I thought that was pretty awesome, too. You have mentioned, um, you know, going to college for track, but I also understand that you were a power forward in eighth grade. <laughs> so tell us about that. Were you on the uh, team for school? Did you play ball every yeah, day? I were mean- you going to the league? <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna front. You know, I I, I was decent, but I went to a school with five thousand kids. Like there are people from wow. our, our our school was a, like a satellite campus for extracurriculars. So oh, okay. they allowed like people from different cities, or if you had like an address for your aunt or your granny or whatever, people were you know trying to go to our school for all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it, it was very very stiff competition. So that's why I never played high school basketball um yeah. i tried out and i uh i made it through every cut but the last one 
And then once I did not make that cut and I, you know, I got a funny story. I had some, you know, that flavored carbonated water they have at, at Walmart. Man, we haven't got no Walmarts out here. I got a Target. <laughs> right, right. I know what you're talking I about. I know what you're talking about. They don't got no you know, Walmarts you know, in you New know York. That, no that Walmarts. Self, it was like before seltzers were popping, right? It was like a seltzer water kind of, but it wasn't uh-huh. as like healthy. Yeah. Um, I had one of those the day of the tryouts, and I swear I had the gnarliest cramp, and I blame it on that drink because I know I was performing horrible Damn. because my cramp was just fucking me up. But nonetheless, basketball was never like, my sport that I consider myself like super outstanding in. I wouldn't even mm-hmm. say track was. I just was able to excel at a quicker pace than others. Yeah. But um, I joined track to condition for baseball. Once I knew I wasn't going to be playing basketball in the fall, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, my other sport is baseball. Let me start getting ready for that in the spring. That's when the coach had told me like, look, if you give me, you know, a good four years, you commit yourself. Like these are how many people I usually get pushed out on scholarships. And uh, versus the baseball team, I'd only see a handful of them. And mm-hmm. by handful, I'm talking to one or two out of like 15 players or something, right. you know, yeah. 20 players. So um, my odds of getting one were just way better. And as a kid, I had to this day, like my knees are, are fucked up. Like, you know, every now and then you might catch me walking pigeon toed because yeah. I just had a lot of knee issues as a kid and doing sports such as basketball and baseball that have a lot of lateral movement. Yeah, was putting yeah. a lot of stress on my knees. So once I started to train for track and really emphasize on good running technique and how you're supposed to put your legs up and put your foot down, I actually kind of corrected some of that and mm-hmm. alleviated a lot of my knee pain. So I chose to like really stick with track because by the end of my freshman year, I was seeing like my walking and my running and my knee pain get better as yeah. well as um, already being varsity. Uh, on my, you know, my freshman year, I was already lettered and all that stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll probably just stay here and get these four years. And then luckily I got a scholarship to Northridge. Um, it could have easily been like Fresno State or Ohio State, mm-hmm. you know, schools that have a little bit more like, you know, ring to their name. But for me, that they weren't in LA and I knew I wanted to dive into uh, entertainment. So that's what brought me to LA specifically versus the other schools where I had offers to go to. Right, right. Because, you know, you being from the Bay, you pretty much left the Bay when it was college time. So now it's like the LA move, right? And um, you were, yeah, you were talking about your scholarship. So the scholarship was for track. So tell me about that too, because um, did you just like try out? Like, uh, you know, aside from getting that, you know, full ride uh, in comparison to baseball, like what made you say, like, I want to do track? And like, was that a sport that you grew up watching? Did your mom or dad watch it? Like, like what made you want to run <laughs> is my question. Um, Like I said, it was just conditioning. It was something that I kind of fell into when I didn't make basketball and mm-hmm. I was conditioning for baseball. So at right. that point, I was, I was just locked in like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good here. I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. I didn't really like aspire to do track or pole vaulting. Pole vaulting was just, uh, an occurrence out of needing out, out of a necessity to find something that I could strengthen my speed, mm-hmm. um, and my upper body mm-hmm. for ideally for baseball. But I just, like I said, excelled in it pretty quick. And then I'm like, Oh, I should probably stick with this. Yeah. So, so did you, you stayed on campus or did you have like an apartment in LA at the time? Uh, yeah. So I lit, I went to Cal State Northridge, which is in LA County. It's not in the city of LA, mm-hmm. but, um, it's in the Valley. 
And I lived on campus in the dorms my first year with a couple other athletes and then somebody else who was like on a scholarship or something else. Uh-huh. Um, just because they're like, look, if you, if y'all get in money, we gonna make sure that all y'all are on point, Thanks. <laughs> you know, Thanks. so that we're all accountable and stuff. So, uh, we, uh, we stayed in the dorms our freshman year. My second year I lived across from the school, but not technically on campus. Like it was the street across from the mm-hmm. campus. So it mm-hmm. might as well have been, and then uh, the following years, I just had roommates from, you know, other athletes and, and people that, that to this day, I like one of my buddies that I lived with was, uh, who was in my wedding, was a roommate for two years in college. Oh, nice. So, That's um, I had my good little, you know, uh, what would you, smorgasbord of like living experiences in college, you know, from yeah. living with people to my last couple of years living on my own. Yeah, you know, like, I remember the first time I moved out and my parents was like, you'll see, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, do you remember? And and I think my my first realization was, like, groceries because I was so used to my parents, like, filling stuff Listen, up. <laughs> I was, <laughs> you I was, was lost in the sauce. Because I, I, my mom did daycare my whole life, right? Oh, so she was and home. It was, yeah, she was home. She nice. was, you know, when the ba- when the kids were napping, she was, cleaning, you know, doing laundry, cooking mm-hmm. food. When I got home, you know, I literally had a plate, you know what I mean? Like when yeah. I'd never had to figure out how to eat or how to wash clothes. So like that was, for, you know, most people be like, what? Like I've been, my mom been running out to work since I was six years old or five years, like some crazy, mm. you know what I mean? Like I've been cooking since I was eight. Like, <laughs> no, nah, my mom ain't letting me touch the stove. Sorry. Like I, I don't have a good track record with fire, <laughs> you know? So, uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. They, uh, that was the hardest thing for me was just making that transition to like living on your own and being independent, just taking yes. care of like semi-adulting because I didn't really have a job and like real bills to pay. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like my scholarship was my job and maintaining that, you know, paid my bills. Yes. So I, I just had to, you know, do what I had to do and, and figure things out. Made a few calls, checked a few YouTube videos, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know something? I, I have a daughter in college. So I, I just, you know, I look at her and then I think back when I was that age or, you know, my friends, like all of us at that age. And I'm like, man, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but you just figure it out. Yeah. You start yeah. off with ramen noodles all day at college, yeah. you know, so you realize how to work Man, I learned the hard way about, you know, dieting and stuff because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I would literally have all my classes stacked up in the morning so that I could have practice in the afternoon. Or actually, I'm lying. My major, a lot of people for... uh TV and film, they were, they had like jobs and stuff. So they were taking classes and doing stuff afterwards. So a lot of my mm. classes were in afternoon. So I had morning classes and there were times where like I could get away with just waking up and going straight to training or having like a subpar breakfast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I had those afternoon days, I was already depleted. And one day before I went in, I had like some ramen and mm. uh, like a pizza and some fries with a Oh, you learned the hard way. Ketchup. And <laughs> yeah. I I remember burping like some catch like burping and I tasted like that like acidic like Yeah, the acidic buildup. And then yeah. the stomach acid too. And and mid workout I started blowing chunks. And then oh. after that, like I, I was like I reevaluated what I was eating, when I was eating, things of that nature. Okay, <laughs> but, so uh, you learned discipline. I had to because it, it kicked my ass when I was when I was trying to cheat the system and cheat myself. Yeah. 
For sure. So like, so in college, especially the time where you were at the dorms, like what was college for you like? Were you like a clicky guy? Did you just hang out with the athletes? Like, did you do parties? Like what was going on for you at that age? Um, I think just like naturally I hung out around a lot of athletes because I did spend a lot of time with them because the way, the way I looked at college, you either had your, your, your regulars, right? Just people who are going to school. Mm-hmm. Your athletes, so your regulars, pretty much your non-athletes, your athletes, and then you got your people that are like in, you know, various clubs, whether it be academic or social, like extracurricular stuff. Yeah. But and then you usually see these different types of people together at similar type of events or whatever. But I was mainly with athletes. It wasn't until like my junior and senior year that mm-hmm. I was getting back into DJing because when I did leave. My parents made me leave my equipment at home. They're like, you're going to maintain your scholarship. You're not going right. to be DJing and partying and doing all this stuff. So mm-hmm. when I started move. interning yeah. at Power, they um, they ended up telling me that I could, you know, bring my stuff out. So I ended up like, all right, whatever. I'm taking my, my equipment back to L.A. Mm-hmm. So it was my junior year that I started working at Power, interning at Power. And that's when I kind of got into the partying. And I say that loosely because, I mean, I was DJing like, athletic parties or like small little bars in the valley and like club nights, like college nights and stuff. So it wasn't like Project X partying, but (laughs) I had to maintain my scholarship the first couple of years and figure out the flow of college Mm -hmm. and life of being on my own. And then once I felt like I had a good grasp on that, that's when I started to get back into DJing, partying and just being all together more social. Yeah. How how was you guys college parties? Strife and DJ probably tell you everybody in Queens talks about the St. John parties. Did you guys parties? Did it get wild? Was it mostly hip hop? Like, you know, what were y'all jamming to? Yeah, it was definitely hip hop. I mean, I was, we were coming out of like that, like hypey movement that that was like, you know, Uh, 06, 07. So like that, I was, I was very much pushing that line in Southern California. Even at the time there was a little bit of resistance Mm because It's California between North and South is like yeah, yeah. two different worlds, you know? Right. So um, people weren't really super gravitating towards it. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go a different lane. And that's when, you know, I started tapping into all the LA music and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, back to the parties, the parties were, they were cool. Like we, one time we had YG perform uh, oh, shit, and nice. when, when it was like an easy uh, year or two before it got popping, when it was mm-hmm. the original recording before he got signed, mm-hmm. we had him perform on our rooftop. You know, we would get jumpers in the backyard, and I had a street bike. We didn't have any lights, so I had my headlights for my street bike, like lighting up the the jumper, so there was light in the backyard and stuff. That's um, nice. so That's dope. We're going crazy. I would have some of the top DJs from the time in Hollywood DJing our our parties that I was usually hosting with my roommates and. What year was this? This was in 2000, like, 9, 2010. What a time. <laughs> what a time. So you went to school for radio and television, right? So did you yeah. always know you wanted to DJ? Were you looking to be on the radio? I know Power 106 is huge in your area. We'll, we'll get to them too. But when you picked your major, you was like, what am I going to do? What did you see yourself doing as your career? Well... Like I said, I definitely had already know known that I was going to SoCal for entertainment. Right. Um, you know, and, and I I pretty much knew I was gonna do something either in T V mm-hmm. or radio because of the program I was going to. I was gonna be in Southern California mm-hmm. and I actually got started with my DJing 
on account of somebody who was in radio. When I was like 12 years old, I called the station in the Bay Area. Um, the call letters is KYLD. They go by Wall 94.9. Still the same station. I think, you know, new program directors and such. But mm-hmm. he was one of the hosts on the morn, after, drive time. It was like afternoon drive time or something. And I called her just like a little kid, like, hey, do y'all got like an equipment room with some yeah. outdated equipment y'all can <laughs> give me to DJ? And she was like, no, I don't, we don't have nothing here, but I might be able to find something. And then I just kept like, kept in contact with her. And then one day she was like, I found something for you. Like, and then Dang. came out sad. and it was cool. Cause she would always put me on the radio and I was like a little kid. I love that shit. You know, like I'm on the radio right now. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, it was dope. Cause I'm like, damn, like, she has a platform. People know who she is. Like yeah. she gets to do what she loves. She's around music. And I'm like, this seems cool. So that's what the DJing is what initially was my interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then she like sparked the interest with the radio with that. And to this day, like her name's Fresca. She works up in the Bay area still for radio. And, um, you know, I check in with her very frequently. She's like my, my big Man, sister. She's like my mentor. Sorry. Gave me a lot of game in, in the industry. Shout out to her, man. Yeah, you always need somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It it literally is just that one person who just helps you out. You know what I mean? Just catapults mm-hmm. everything, everything. So a little bit of a dark time, but you got into a bad car accident, right? And at this time, you were interning for Power 106. And we were discussing mm-hmm. about you making that choice. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Power 106 and after this car crash and you having to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, it. My, I had like a little, uh, I loved it too. It was a 91 Mustang 5.0. Oh. Um, I had a, uh, nice. a fiberglass, like pin top racing hood with like a three inch lift on it on the, on the, the cow hood. And, um, it, I, I bought it with police registration. It was crazy because it used to be a police interceptor. So it, it used to be a chase car for the CHP. I had that thing built out. It was crazy. And one day I, I was, it seems like every time something happens, it's like when you're doing something you don't really need to be doing and you're yep. like, damn, I didn't need to be doing that. Yep. <laughs> so that day I was, even I was doing a favor for somebody, I was going out of my way to pick them up at the airport. They told me they're landing at four or no five. Mm-hmm. I assumed it was like five in the morning, right? It wasn't until five at night. So after they're not answering their phone, I drive back from LAX. I'm exiting the exit to get off. It's north off the exit to get to, CSUN from the freeway off the 405 and as I'm exiting a car just rear ends me like they weren't paying attention to the fact that I was slowing down on the getting off the exit Mm -hmm. and they totally just rear ended it dimpled out my roof from um, you know uh, crunching it like in a Mm -hmm. weird way Mm -hmm. like it put dots on the roof because it folds it just did some weird stuff but the car ended up totaling out I was in the hospital. I woke up in the hospital and they had the news on. And when I seen it, it was literally my accident was holding up traffic because the freeway was shut down. Wow. So you you saw it in the hospital. Like that's when you realized what had happened. Yeah. I mean, I was aware that I was in an accident, but I didn't know that like it was that bad, you know? And then when I seen the car, it it just made sense. Apparently I got hit twice. So there's a car that hit me. We ended up like, Spinning out, and after we came to almost came to a stop, another car hit me. Wow. Mm. But I don't remember any of it. I barely remember the first impact. So, mm-hmm. um, 
because of that, I did not have transportation. I had to go to rehab, really focus on maintaining my scholarship uh, for for school. What were your so injuries due, due to the accident? Did you break any bones? Like what, what happened exactly? No, it was just a ton of like, you know, um, muscle and like muscle trauma, really just okay. from like the quick movement. Everything was just really sore and mobility was gone. And mm-hmm. like, it, it just took a lot of time to like loosen everything up and get back to like, just being naturally where I was at from it. Nothing broke. Nothing was, Thank God, okay. was like, yeah, it was, it was cool. But I, like I said, had to focus on getting right back for that. So stepped away from the power situation, but it was really a blessing because I, at that time I realized like, if I want to do radio, I'm going to have to literally keep both feet planted in the city at all times. Like I can't mm-hmm. leave. And that's when I realized like, Oh, you know, there's still another option to doing this music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I could mess with the artists cause you know, obviously there's tons of avenues you could go through. Yeah, but at right. the time, I was fresh to everything. So I'm trying to figure out, like, damn, if I can't do radio, like, I don't rap, what am I going to do? Right. It's like, oh, I could DJ for an artist. So then, you know, just started supporting artists and, and putting out music, like co-signing music, putting out projects. And over time, got to the point where I could stand next to Nick. And then the rest was history once we locked in, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you met him uh, during your internship at 106. And you were just kind of a fan, introduced yourself. And what what was the energy like? You know, people always talk about, um, you know, you first meet somebody, you kind of read them a little bit, right? Like a first impression. What was your very, very, very first impression when you saw him and introduced yourself? My first impression of him was like, who is this? Like, he looked like a... uh, like his name and he just at the time he looked like he was like a 90s pimp i was like what's the nifty <laughs> okay. hustle you know what i mean because i wasn't really hip to his music at first mm-hmm. and then um later down the line i ended up well when i met him it, it was you know just a generic you know he probably just thought i was a, whoever at the station gonna you know never see again it wasn't right. a disrespectful interaction by any means it was just a regular what's up bro like you know quick conversation yeah, yeah. it wasn't until like I really started reaching out to him that he seemed like, Oh, you know, this kid like fucks with me. And, uh, once we got to the point where he could bring on a DJ full time, then you could just see that, uh, him open up, you know, just see him beyond the rapper, see him as a person and like, just have a regular conversation with him about anything. You know, a lot of, it's hard to remember that some of these people that like, we really revere for what they can do, you know, as an artist or, or, or in any profession, that at the end of the day, they're a human, you know, and they, of course. they do regular shit like us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they yeah. do the same shit as us. They might have a little bit different lifestyle, but like, same, same thing, you know, and that's something that he really put into my mind is like, damn, this dude is like one of the most down to earth people that I know. Like he's, he's never been on no dickhead shit with me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I've seen people who've had far less treat people way worse. Right. Or far, far less success, I should say, you know, treat people way worse and just have move around with their nose in the clouds. And he never gave me that type of energy. It was always motivating. It was always inspiring. He always wanted to see each one of us build our own brand because that collectively built the brand we were building as mm-hmm. a team, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he understood like, you know, there's times where it's like, it might not be convenient, but at the end of the day, like, it's a part of the process, whether it's like me going out to do something or I got to put something aside. Like he just understood the whole, the whole thing. He was never selfish about it. That's what's up. But how did that interaction like began? Like, cause I know you said like you became his DJ, but 
How did that occur? Like, you know. So one day, I was helping Nick and Adam with some fam, some music for like a family member that passed away. Okay. Um, because they they either have a, like the repast and like we need yeah. two hours of music like based off mm-hmm. this. So they gave me like five or ten songs. And I just built a vibe out and um like a week after the repast they replied to that email and they were like hey vip um are you able to get on a call about this this uh this crenshaw show and i'm like okay. like okay yeah like i got i got tickets for the show like what's good so <laughs> right. he, he calls me <laughs> and he asked me if, if i'm like he's like yeah man you know we got this show coming up and he's like kind of beating around the bush i'm like like waiting i'm just like Ask the question. Like, ask, ask me. Ask, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> ask me. And then, you know, he asked me, he's like, uh, are you available to DJ, um, you know, the show on Thursday at the House of Blues? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, trying to play it cool, but like, I'm fucking in the house, jumping around. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm losing my shit. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, but then, I'm dumb me, like, trying to like, overthink it. I'm like, so do you need me to DJ for like, the pre-show? Or do you need me to, DJ for the show show. I'm like, not that it matters, but like, just so I know right. where I'm at. And I was like, it don't matter, bro. Like, whatever you need, I'll do it. You know? And then um, he's like, how much you need? And then I gave him a number. He's like, oh, that's a, that's a little much. I'm like, yeah, bro. I mean, it's all good. Like, you know, I'll work around it. We we negotiated, but it was funny because at first okay. I hit him with a high number. Yeah, yeah. And I think like kind of respected. It wasn't like disrespectful high, but it was like, damn, this fool isn't like. Yeah, like I'm good. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's about his business. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but everything everything worked out and we continued to grow it and uh that that's that's how it started. He asked me if I could come out to the House of Blues show mm-hmm. and then at the House of Blues show, when I'm sitting in the room, because I'm not really hip to the shit, and I know that he wears red, so I go to the shit wearing a red Crenshaw shirt. Right. And this is early <laughs> hip. So I'm in the room full of a hundred crips. Yeah. Wearing blue. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I was like, God damn, hell uncomfortable. But I got over it quick because Nip was there with the booking agent and he had the full tour schedule. And he literally just said, make yourself available for this. Right. Wow. Mm. That is and amazing. I was like, all right, bet. I'm there. Like, whatever it takes. And at the time, I was literally just finishing school. I was in my last um, semester right. of like doing or no, actually not that year. I'm tripping totally fine it was that i did a show with him the year before that but mm-hmm. um once we once we locked in it was it was regular I, he didn't do any shows without me he might have had hostings or, or things of that nature like walkthroughs yeah, yeah. but if i wasn't available and somebody inquired on a date where i wasn't available he wouldn't take the show just because we had that type of chemistry and show flow that right. he yeah, wasn't yeah, willing was to sacrifice his production just to mm-hmm. get a date off solid and that was your um, your first tour, right? With like a major artist. So was that the largest crowd? Yeah, I mean, you DJ could tell you, DJ was on the tour. I know. DJ knows. <laughs> he, he was, DJ, do you remember when he was yelling at the sound man about don't mess up my sound? That was actually our first day um, on the road. It was in Ohio. And uh, he was banging on the sound man because he took that shit serious because he was like, my fans need to have a good experience. And he yeah. took that shit dead serious. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. Fine. And then he told Rollo, take a picture of the board. And he was mm-hmm. tripping. But like, it goes, and, and what did it tell you? And you've told me many times, like, what did it tell you about Cuz and what he expected? He basically, you could tell that he really like, he cared about the experience that his fans was mm-hmm. going to get. 
And like he literally went up, like we're really downplaying it. Like he went up, like he was about to swing on these dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he was like, take a picture of the boards, and the boards better look the same, same way, way when we're yep. when the show was live. If you move or touch anything, like it's a problem. Yeah, he, remember he said tonight you work for us. Yeah, he said you, you work for us tonight because they didn't really they was they wasn't really putting enough respect on his name. Like in their eyes, it was just like another show, a hip hop show, whatever. Like they didn't mm. really care. But once he banged on them. They was they sharpened up very quickly and they was on point that night. Of course. Right, and it was like, don't touch my shit. That's a fact. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Drop a bomb on Yeah, you got to. Because pe- a lot of people don't take this seriously. Mm-hmm. You get a hot song ooh, and ooh. you're feeling yourself. And who cares if you fuck up? The crowd's going to sing it for you. Like, no way, you know? And, and the fact that he was early on in his career like that and he took it that fucking serious. Like, this is me. This is my team. This is my shit. That says... You know, it speaks volumes, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're on this tour. Was there ever a time where you messed up and you had to kind of make sure that other people didn't, I guess, recognize, right? Was there any ever big bloops that happened during the tour? hundred percent. I mean, it was my first tour, right? It was his first independent tour. The last tour he went out was with Game, which Game provided all the resources at the time and like his show, his his catalog and his just mm-hmm. show in general wasn't as nearly as intricate as it was at that time. So he was able to get it off and get through it before, but this was different. We had yeah. to do everything from the ground up. Aside from DJing, I was there like before and after the shows helping him build the, the stage props with the vinyl backgrounds that had pictures of Crenshaw and Slauson wow. every show. You know, that wasn't something that, not that it was a big deal, but like I, I didn't care. I was just happy to be there. I'll do whatever you need me to do because I'm a team player. And I really believed in Nip and what he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we always, every show ran into some kind of complication because we're going to some of these markets where they're handing me an aux cable and they don't got no equipment. (laughs) You know, they're like rock venues and shit. I can only imagine you went through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. DJ, do you remember that venue that we went through in, I think it was Miami, where they had the bar in the middle and it looked like a grunge venue or something? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. bar was in the middle? I, I think it was, was it Fort Lauderdale? It was, um... I know it was Miami for sure. It was I mean, Florida. It was Florida yeah. for sure. It could okay. have been Jacksonville. I don't or, know where it was. It was Orlando. It was Orlando, Orlando I think. Yep. Oh my gosh. Like, I literally have memories of just every, like, all these different places. And yeah. what's great is, you know, the iPhone has the, uh, the location tagging so it's like the whenever G-tag. i need to know what day i was somewhere or whatever i'm gonna go look at that location and boom i got the exact memory but the 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 tour like like i said has issues left and right I, yeah. I had my laptop break in miami me and me and fat rest in peace were wrestling on the bus and <laughs> okay. fat oh, is, man. you know fat is a uh is like a wrecking ball like cuz is known for running through people whether it's pushing through them or punching through them like fast mm-hmm. known for knocking people down you know he's just a strong big dude and um we were wrestling and he wasn't aware that my laptop was sitting on the bench in the front of the bus and the way it was sitting there was like something on like maybe like a flash drive or something like sitting on the keyboard uh-huh. so when the laptop shut because it was like halfway open it cracked out the screen keep in mind this is in the middle of tour right before a show so I, I believe it happened in Orlando, matter of fact. And then we went to Miami the next day. And by the grace of God, I was able to get a Genius Bar appointment that same day. And they got the whole screen fixed before the show that night. Damn. Wow. That, that means it's meant to be. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> that means crazy. It's meant to be. So wait, so the the show was in how many hours? Like how long did this? Like what was your window? I mean, I probably got to the Apple Store first thing in the morning because the driver was making the trips like super late at night or you know uh-huh. early, and it wasn't like we had to go that far between Orlando and Miami. Mm-hmm. So I maybe got there like at ten or eleven. And they had me the computer, no joke, by like three or four. Like, mm. I don't think I sound checked with it. I admit, I definitely didn't sound check with it, but I got the computer back and working, and it was it was golden. This within six hours, max. Damn, I would have been shitting my pants. <laughs> That's what people don't people don't and understand. Keep in mind, like, I already I already know that Apple is usually like, oh yeah, if we got to do like a screen or something for a laptop. They're like, we got to depot it. Usually, they have to send it out three to five days. Mm-hmm. They're oh, talking shit, about. Yeah. We can only have it come back to the facility that it was returned at. I'm like, but in three days, I'm going to be in Texas. Like, I'm not going to be in Florida mm. or wherever I was. You know, like, it did. It just wasn't going to pan out. So they said they had some program for business accounts. And, you know, it was it was a little fee, but basically it gave us instant genius bar access and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, we need that oh right now. Oh, my gosh. Were you guys able to make all shows? Like, did anything stop you, like tour bus broke or anything like that you guys made all shows on time yeah we made all the shows we were scheduled to make some canceled like a week or two out uh-huh but we didn't have any like weather implications we definitely okay. were traveling in the middle of the winter which wasn't easy you know when nick talks about fixing flats in the cold that's just real we were making our run to denver mm-hmm. and it was freezing outside and it was damn near snowing and our trailer had a uh caught a flat wow oh, dang And what did you guys do, like, in between shows? Like, you know, did everybody usually travel together? Did you guys, you know, stop at places, you know, go hang out, movies, bowling, drinks, anything like that? Or you guys were just focused on this tour? Uh, On the Crenshaw tour, I mean, we we pretty much just all stayed together on the bus. You know, people might have, like, ventured off, you know, as far as you could get with an Uber or whatever. It's like, there's a a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff going on. So it's like, you can't go that far. once we weren't on the bus, like on later tours, we were definitely like going and sightseeing and pulling up on stuff. And mm-hmm. like when we went to, uh, um, I believe it was Detroit and we stopped at like the Motown okay. building. It's right there. Yeah, um, yeah. So like every time we went into different cities, we always try to touch like something that was like relevant to the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as we had more time, like there were definitely times where we had gone and caught a movie, you know, between the sound check and the show. Yeah, yeah, because you got to keep that so, too, right? You you got to like take yeah. a break. Yeah, but it's it just you know sometimes like with the bus and a ton of people, it's not as feasible to move a big group like that versus when we're traveling with four, five, six people. It's a little bit easier to go to the movies and stuff, you know. Right, right, right. So it kind of just depends. On on who who we were with, what the travel group was and stuff. Right. So if, if you could look back, I mean, it sounds like everything went as well as it could be, but just now you have an experience being on tour. What what did you learn from tour life? Like major keys, like maybe some things that you guys could have did differently back then, you know, in those years. Like what did you learn about just being on tour? Like what are the most important things people need to know when they want to take their show on the road? Over-prepare. Overprepare for I agree. for failure, but between equipment um, and, um, and if other people to fail you, there's uh, going to be a lot of people who don't have the same energy and the same priority as you. Right. That mm-hmm. Just like that one venue where DJ stepped on for the first time, mm-hmm. they got they got revolving doors of acts. 
coming through there. You're no different than the guy from last night or the guy that's coming tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. You know, I would I would say to just understand that because when you go in there, then and you're automatically like, yeah, they're not trying to help me. They don't fuck with me. And you just start feeling some type of way. No, they mm-hmm. do this shit all the time. Just mm-hmm. be patient with them. They're professionals. And then if they really get out of line, then respectfully let them know where you stand, mm-hmm. you know? But um, <laughs> I, I think that too many people are, uh, are, are like, they, they, they take a lot of the shit personal and they got to understand that like they're just, they're doing their job. Yes, Sometimes you're not doing the job great, but you can't expect, you know, if loading's at four o'clock, Hey man, I'm here to sound check. Like no bro, loading. They have to load everything in, mm-hmm. get everything set up and then they're going to do this, you know? So you just have to be familiar with like the flow of things. Mm-hmm. And once you get familiar with that, the rest is pretty much a breeze because then it's just like clocking into anything else. And like I said, over preparing with, backup equipment Mm -hmm. because there's going to be times you go out on the road and you don't you're going to go to these small markets that don't have a guitar center a sam app Mm -hmm. they don't have yeah anywhere where you uh, sir where they can rent equipment everything you know so it's it's ideal to go out with if you can and you're on a bus go out with your own rig from your own DJ equipment, even if it's just a backup controller, mm-hmm. just something as an alternative in case they don't have something that meets your ideal standard, you have the backup that, that will suffice. So uh, the Crenshaw tour, what did you, like in your opinion, what was the one song that everyone went crazy? Every city just, you knew once you dropped it, it was up. What, what do you think it was at that time? Um, I mean, there was a couple, it's hard. You can't just say one. I would, without a doubt, like from the Crenshaw project, Mm -hmm. it'd have to be like, you see us was Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, you know, it's epic Boston footage. Like when we did fly Crippin, that was (laughs) insane, you know? And then in every market hustle in the house went crazy too. Cause it was like that trademark, uh, song, you know, everyone got a, a song is about them or who they are, you know, right. all, all these legacy artists. And that was his. And everybody went crazy to that, especially because it was our, our closeout song. Most of the time, there was times yeah, where he yeah. would come back and maybe test a record on some like fake walk off shit. And then I would drop a song. Yeah. Um, and it would be something that wasn't like a conventional performance song, but something he still wanted to do if the energy was up. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I would definitely have to, to go with, like, some Fly Crippin, UCS, Check Me Out, Hustle in the House. DJ, what else would you add to that? Check Me Out. That one went crazy. <laughs> I like Check <laughs> Me Out. That's his favorite. <laughs> that, that one went crazy. Yo, which yep. city was the best city out of the tour to you? Well, Boston had some of the craziest energy for the size okay. of the venue. Yeah, like there must have been like sixty blue rags in there going crazy, but it was all love. Like it was that thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was just going crazy. TMZ yeah, yeah. flags and like it was going up. Um, bigger venues would probably be like Houston when we touch Warehouse Live. We had Bun B come out, Kirko. Nice. Um, and that was like our first time cracking over a thousand people. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we had did like fourteen or fifteen hundred at that venue. Nice. So that was. That would definitely be it, just because like that was the first time we went to a market where we weren't really familiar with, mm-hmm. and we we had our and biggest impact attendance. Yeah. yeah, 
So what did you, because again, this was your first, right? So did you do anything to prepare? Like, did you research? Did you reach out to maybe some DJs you knew from Power 106? Like, what did you do to prepare to go on tour with like such a big artist, so many cities? Like, what was the advice that you were given? To be honest, I didn't ask for any advice. I didn't have too many people that I knew that I could speak to in regards to touring. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody that had been on any significant tours that I had known. Mm -hmm. um, I was around the Power 106 DJs, but they, they don't tour. You know, they stay in right. the city and they, they do the radio thing. So for me, you know, I just had I just had to take my best guess. Like, okay, I better make sure I take enough clothes and like I got extra like my big thing is don't get caught off deck so if he if something happens like mm -hmm. make sure you got backup you know make sure you're yeah, on point so i made yeah. i actually went out with uh like multiple chargers just little things that aren't big deals but like if i lost it it would have fucked everything up right, yeah. so right. I little things. doubles mm -hmm. of yeah i kept something in my backpack you know and i kept uh, another my doubles in in the, the suitcase underneath the, the bus and that was pretty much, I think, my saving grace because there were times where something did fail or, you know, just in the heat of trying to get out of the venue quick, I left it and um, it would have fucked me on the next one. But I had backup and then time to re-up on my, my backup. Right, right. And what was tour like, um, or not even tour life, what was your life at, like after the tour? So after this big high, you do all these shows, like what was next for you? And I'm kind of leading up to Victory Lap. So between that time, what were you working on? What were you doing? What was the team working on? Just tell us a little bit about after the tour. Yeah, so after the Crenshaw tour, we, we were getting a lot of press and getting a lot of... Um, accolades because of how well the project had been received and you know then we had all the content from the tour which we, i think we did a great job capturing photos and and timeless video you know that to this day are still you know like gems um right. in so many reasons but uh we were just focused on the album like i had just seen an interview from 2015 when i was in europe at paris the paris pop-up we had mm -hmm. and I was talking about, they're asking me what, like, what, how does this inspire you and like working with him, things of that nature. And mm -hmm. I remember saying like, yeah, we're going back home and we're working on the album. And like literally that's all we were doing for 2013, 14 on yeah. was working on the out, working on victory lap because right. some of those songs that are on victory lap were recorded for Crenshaw. Some of those songs that are on Victory Lap were recorded during Mailbox Money and Boston Boy too, but he was holding on to records. So there was times where it'd be like a year, two, three years, and we we're like, "Bro, where's Victory Lap at?" You said in 2013 in December that Victory Lap was coming, or 2012 that Victory Lap was your next project, mm -hmm. right? And then it was just it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So it was like. I believe in you, bro, but like, we got to do something. Like we right, like what's going on? And, like, there's, and there's, there's waves where like, you know, he just wasn't recording. He'd be, he'd just, if we, unless we had a show, like he'd just be pretty low key for a month or two, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just because he was in his creative process doing his shit and getting all this stuff figured out so that once the music was here, he could have the businesses and everything else in place to roll out. So, mm -hmm. you know, it looks like it did. Right, right. 
And, you know, talking about creative spaces, I, I always hear like artists, you know, they have their writer and, um, you know, for tours, obviously, but also you have like a studio vibe. Like what were the must-haves that Nipsey needed during this time making Victory Lap? Bro did not have no, he, he, he would order food that he didn't finish. <laughs> he was notorious for, you know, his eyes uh, yeah. wanting to eat more than his stomach wanted to. Um, but all he wanted was his, his little, his little fucking fresh backwoods and, and some <laughs> marathons, you know, and, and some, some, uh, some pH water. And, you know, he was definitely on a little health kick for a minute, but he wasn't like big on like, Oh, I need this snack and this exotic bag of chips and like yeah. this and that. And I did, the room need to smell like fucking lavender mixed with citrus. Like that, that, <laughs> yeah. that was his, his type yeah. of shit. He was very, he's from the trenches, you know, like, so mm -hmm. just everything around him was a blessing as it was like, yeah, he, he liked to have nice things every now and then, but like mm -hmm. we all knew how to thug it. You know, we would, there are times where we would all be in a fucking suite and you know, there was one bed and bro wouldn't be pressed on having the bed. He would take the couch. Yeah. So, you know, he was, he was a, he was a team player and he'd been through some shit. So I think that's mm -hmm. why, you know, he just mm -hmm. took everything to the chin, good or bad. Right, right. And when when you were listening to these songs from Victory Lap, like, did you know that, wow, like, you guys are putting together a classic? Or was this just, like, you know, just regular nip? Like, he's always makes great music. But did you realize, like, how big this album was going to be throughout these couple of years that you guys are putting it together? Yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be big. I could definitely tell that it was going to be a classic. I don't think that I knew it was going to be as timeless as it was. Right. Like, That's a fact. I don't think any of us really knew, like we knew that he had great music. We knew that he was different, but I don't think any of us really knew until it hit, till we seen everybody's response. Like, yo, we're, we're like, That's we did it. Like we're here. Yeah. We straight. Like I literally remember when we flew back maybe two, three weeks before everything happened, before he passed away. Um, yeah. We were on the PJ and it was like, damn, like, we're on the Puma jet right now. Like fucking Jay sits in this seat sometimes. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yo, we're good. Like, yeah. it's done. Like, like as much as I knew we'd have to continue working, like yeah. I felt like a lot of the crazy grunt work was done. Like, all right, we're here. Yeah, yeah. Like we arrived at that point, you know? <laughs> I actually didn't, I didn't really know who Nipsey was like way back, right? Like I've always heard of him, like DJ, obviously, right? But I really tapped in like officially Victory Lap and then I had to go back, right? <laughs> but I knew that this album was crazy when I heard Real Big. When I heard oh, that wow. shit. My favorite part of the album. When I fucking heard that shit, I was like, wait a second. Like, where have I been? I think I stopped and I was like, all right, let me listen to the old shit because <laughs> that shit just blew my mind. What song did you hear where you were like, nah, this is crazy? Do you remember like a song off the album that you were just like, nah, it's, it's up from here? Um, not because of any commercial reasons, but Right Hand of God was like, yeah. Fire. like one of those ones where I was like, oh yeah, he's, he's speaking on some like prophetic shit. Like he's prolific. He's mm -hmm. fucking, he's all that bro. Like he's, he's tapped in now. Like I, that's where it like opened me up and not because of anything uh, religious, like just literally the mm -hmm. verse and the shit. Every time I heard the song, it gave me chills. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real big deal for me. What about that's Blue Laces 2? Oh, that's another one. Yes. Blue Laces 2. Blue Laces 2 is dope. Yeah. Great, great record. Dope, dope flip. You know, I definitely appreciate, especially the original Cocaine. That shit is like the yeah, West yeah. Coast classic shit. Did Nipsey have a favorite uh, song on that album? 
I asked him before, but he never really gave me a straight answer. Okay, he <laughs> loved it. every him. you know just just because I think every song was special to the, to him in its own way. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. think he really. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you. Said, I personally, one of my favorites is nobody's uh, DJs might have heard it. Dedication, the original dedication with no Kendrick and three Nipsey verses. Wow, crazy. Do, do you think we'll ever and hear the that? Third I haven't heard that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying, you think we'll ever hear those verses? Uh, it, it probably won't come out. I don't see it. I think they actually pulled the third verse for a record that somebody pulled out. Re- this song put out recently. Like, uh. oh, I think you know what that song "Memories" with uh, Maroon Five. That was it. That that verse is because that original verse is a sixteen. I think they chopped up the sixteen and turned it into an eight, and it's on. It's that Maroon Five "Memories" remix. Oh, okay, interesting. But the original sixteen on dedication is stupid another one that like gives me instant chills when i hear it yeah that's an exclusive right the third there. verse specifically wow wow and do you remember you know being in the studio around that time i again studio rules were there any rules were there anything that you know people knew like when you come here none of this or more of this was there anything that you guys uh had like rules as far as recording it wasn't really rules because nip had his own for a while, he had his own studio where we were at. And yeah. like, I remember he posted this picture. It's still on his page if you go ways down, but it's me, Jorge Paniche, and Archer One. And there's like three computers lined up. And he's like, he said, uh, well oiled machine. Cause mm-hmm. we were all doing different stuff. Like JP was working on some photos mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for a release. I was getting together the audio assets to blast out to tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Archer was doing something with graphics for, for that as well so we were like collectively just always working i think that we understood like we weren't just a bunch of slackers that were around this right. you know we were all like self-starters so it wasn't an issue of like what you can or should be doing mm-hmm. it was more so like i think everyone had a general understanding of what nip expected of himself and as well as what he expected from us mm-hmm. and because he was he had such a presence nobody really wanted to be caught being that person not on point. Right, right, right. So after Victory Lap dropped and you guys, you know, see the response, um, do you remember a con- like your first conversation with him when you guys realized like this is crazy? Like what was that conversation like? Um, was he excited or was he, was he like, listen, we got to keep working? Like what was the energy after this dropped and you guys knew, boom, it's a success? I mean, we knew pretty quick that, that it was, like I said, that it was golden. You know, that we were good. It was just a matter of making sure that we figured out the next play because yeah. mm-hmm. we had spent so much time doing that right. that we wanted to make sure that like we didn't lose the momentum after you know while things were were going or starting to like slow down. We had something to follow up with. Right, right, right. So fast forward, of course. Um, you know, when you and I talked our our pre interview, uh, we obviously discussed uh, Nipsey's passing, and I compared it to the feeling I got when Biggie passed, right? Because I'm from New York City. And when that Mm -hmm. day happened, I mean, it was like everybody was just somber, you know? Even if you didn't really listen to his music, it's like you knew by standing in a crowd of people that this person was important. And I'm sure it's the same anywhere for everybody. But describe to us, um, you know, unfortunately, when you did get the, the call, right? Do you remember where you were? What was going through your mind at that time? 
Yeah, I was in Charlotte. I was working. I was doing a studio session out there, and um, it was it was crazy. It was just like I, I first of all, my phone had been off, right? So my phone was like dead or something. My phone is notorious for dying, so I'm just on it too much. Right, right. <laughs> and it died. It died off for no more than like thirty minutes or an hour, but that's around the time when it happened. Mm-hmm. So everybody hits me up because. They see headlines that Nipsey's been shot, you know? Right. So people are hitting me like, are you, are you with, because I was with him so much at that time, like, you know, mm-hmm. all the time that it, not every day, but like, it was at the point where like, you had to check because you're like, damn, was Vic with him or like, what, you know, mm-hmm. what's the deal? So everyone was blowing me up. My phone was off. So when I turn my phone on, it's pretty much when like I get to Texas and I see everything online. And like naturally it was like surreal. Like it was like, what the fuck? And I, I instantly knew that he, he was because at the time they hadn't pronounced him dead yet. Right. I knew that he wasn't alive just off seeing the pictures of like him on the ground. Cause I'm like, mm. nah, bro, bro, don't, bro, don't lay down. Like bro's a fighter. Like if he got hit, he's going to get up. He's going to drive himself to the hospital. Right. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So that's when I knew shit was bad. So that's when I had to, you know, start, planning my return to LA. So I got back the next day mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, got with the family and the, the team and, and everything. And, you know, yeah, began the, the grieving process at that point, but it was just also surreal and it just happened so quick. And it was literally out of left field. The only reason I was in Charlotte was because we had the weekend off, you know, I got away to do some work and it mm-hmm. just, he wasn't supposed to be out, you know, he didn't have security with him, family, at Granny's house, everybody was doing their own thing. It was supposed to be a family day, right. day off. It was a Sunday. Enjoy your day. Right. And then that happened. So he normally mm. had security when he moved around for the most part. Yeah. Whether it was like, you know, fucking legit, uh, you know, someone with a guard card or just somebody else who was there to protect him. He always, right. he was never. By just, himself. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Nick went and did whatever he wanted when he wanted like he never waited for nobody and like he definitely ran off and that was one of our things like bro like you can't just be taken off like we got to make sure someone's with you right you know but nip was on his own time he's gonna do what he wanted to do whenever and that day he wanted to help somebody and it you know right Right. and i find that interesting too because you know your car accident uh that you mentioned earlier you were going out to help somebody remember so yeah. did, did that kind of, did you get that feeling? You know, when you have like a traumatic experience, I, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's kind of like time slows and then you get flashbacks, right? So, yeah. yeah. I definitely didn't have that trigger in that moment. But now mm-hmm. that you think about that, it, 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 I consciously am aware that, yeah, like similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember last time you spoke to him? Yeah, um, you know, I was, like I said, I was in Charlotte and he hit me up a few hours before I was in a group message with him and Pac-Man because he said that he had a new single that was out and he was putting me in a group message with Pac because he was like, hey, Vip, I need you to put together a DJ pack for this new record that uh, Pac-Man has with OT. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, say less. I'm going to send him the file request mm-hmm. and I'm going to get the files. And then he hit, hit me with the, another you know, well-oiled machine. And then him and Pac-Man continued to talk about the record and the thread. And then, you know, like I said, I was out of town at the time and I was waiting for files, so I was pretty much just uh, waiting for those files to come in. But the last combo I had with him was like at 
two or three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it happened. So it was like 12 hours before. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I just, I, re- I remember having the feeling, right? And of course, when, you know, you have artists that you love, they pass away, like you, you feel it. You know what I mean? I felt that with Biggie. I felt that with Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? I felt that with Nipsey and, um, and Aaliyah as well. You know, back in the day, I was a huge Aaliyah fan. Um, you being so close to him, obviously grieving yourself. I mean, obviously the first thing you did was go to support his family. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned to you too, that the funeral it was playing in my office, you know? And I remember when she was, um, up there, Lauren London, when she was up there, it was like, everyone had like tears in their eyes because, you know, it was such an unfortunate situation, but like the poise and the grace, you know what I mean? Just was immense. So h- how do you, you know, support someone obviously who's hurting just the same family, friends, and also keeping yourself together as well? Like, were there times where you needed your alone space? Did you try to keep yourself around family and friends? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have any family remotely out here. Like, I got my sister, but she's, she's doing her own thing. And mm-hmm. we, we, you know, hadn't been that close up until a couple years ago. Um, really after Nip passed, that's when we got a little closer. But it wasn't like immediately after that, like I was just like resonating with family. Right. Um, it was it was a lot of like close friends and stuff like that because, you know, they're, they're the ones who I spend the most time with people in the team. I found a lot of my strength through Lauren and, yeah. and Sam and, you know, the rest of the family because I'm like, you know, if they're able to be strong and push through and, you know, not let this obviously, you know, not ruin their life, but like really be a major speed bump. Like it's going to be, but yeah. the way they handled themselves was just like, they were just walking tall and they had faith and, and yeah, you know, they, they, they just accepted what it was and they were going to keep pushing forward in honor of him. That's mm-hmm. what my motivation was. I was like, if they're moving with this type of energy, then I need to follow suit. Right. Right. And do you think that's something that Nipsey kind of, you know, brought to his family, just how to stand tall, how to just go through things. You feel like that's something that, played a part in how they dealt with his death? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, from how his granny raised them to the people that that he put in his life, I think it's just kinda like like I said, like, you know, what he expected and kinda mm-hmm. like well what he expected and what what just the way we are in our natural state. Like I just think that it it kinda went hand in hand. Right, right. And as far as the day of the funeral, um, tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, it was televised. It was huge. Um, what were your thoughts at the time? Um, you know, I feel like anything, you know, bad that happens, like there's a positive, right? And I think the positive that I saw was like, wow, so many people loved him. Like the streets are filled with people. Like, it, it you know, from the TV, I, I felt the energy, right? How was it you actually being in that city, you know, not even maybe just specifically there, but in that city and you see people who are, you know, maybe coming to you and, you know, know that you obviously have a friendship with him. You're his DJ, for God's sakes. Like, how was it receiving love from people that maybe you've never spoken to before, just fans, anything like that? I mean, that was definitely uplifting, you know, for for being at just a really dark, you know, uncertain time. Mm -hmm. Um, It was... It felt good, you know, it was very, uh, helped with the grieving process. And it was, like I said, the whole thing is just like surreal, just being there. And like, we, we had performed at Staples, you know, and to think that I'm going to his, his memorial at Staples, you know, and then 
to be walking and be literally like across the street from where he used to live right off of Fig and meeting up there for to go out on tours and sleeping at his place because we came in late one day and had like half a down day or something and then had to kick off again or something, you know, like, mm. or had something in LA and we're leaving out of town in a day. So it was crazy just to see all these people that were there, you know, I, I expected it. I knew it was going to be insane. Right, right. I already, already seen what, because there'd been like a week or two since, you know, it had actually happened. I've seen how the city responded. Right. So I wasn't surprised, but like, it was just like, it was almost like, just like I said, I was like surreal. I was almost out of body experience. Like, damn, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm here for this right now. Like, why is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. I totally understand. Um, you know, they, they say that people come into your life for a reason, right? Now that, um, you know, this has happened, like looking back and, and trying to like imagine your life without meeting Nipsey, right? Like, what do you think he brought to your life? Like, what was his purpose? What did you learn from him that you feel like is a staple to who you are, you know, as a man, as a DJ, as an entrepreneur? Like, what was his purpose to you? Um, I think it was really for me to see how, how much I was capable of, you know? Yeah. I think I didn't truly like even after he passed, like I feel like I, I kind of like became into myself. I think he seen me before I seen myself almost. Nice. Okay. I felt like I, in, in some way it's like, I appreciate it, but I wish I could have given him that while he was around Mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm like, you know, not as, I'm as best better than I've been before. So I just feel like, you know, that was a, a lot to do with the opportunities he gave me and, and words he's given me. Right. So I think that, like, I just wish that I could have applied that for him or, like, the timing would have been different so that I could have helped him more because yeah. of him inevitably helping me. Right, right. Well, well, how do you feel like you honor him today? Um, You know, whenever I can, I'm trying to make sure that, uh, that everything is um, is true. To, to his his mission, his legacy, mm-hmm. um, you know, that there's, you know, whenever just little things, people trying to knock off stuff or, you know, people recently, someone was selling a, a supposed verse for him and, you know, just anything that's not, not legit regarding yeah. him, his legacy, and it's not kicking back and benefiting the family like I'm doing yeah. what I can to Right. That's important, man. And because, you know, in situations like this, you have those people, you know what I mean? And it's it's the job of the friends and family, like stop all that funny shit. Right. And and I'm happy that, Mm -hmm. you know, that is something you learned, because unfortunately, you know, we have other artists, you know, who may not have that backing. It's like once they're gone, it's like, that's it. You don't hear about him anymore. And it's like still to this day, we still hear Ned. We still see the marathon clothing, right? And and we actually wanted to talk about that too. The dispensary. I don't I, I was actually shocked. I didn't know about this. The marathon cultivation and, and the marathon clothing store. You guys are doing a grand opening soon for that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the marathon grand opening, um the the cannabis or the, the clothing, sorry. Yeah, let's talk about the dispensary first. Okay, so yeah, so the the marathon cultivation 
grand opening was maybe like two months ago in mm-hmm. Canoga Park. Uh, shut down the whole street, you know, had nice. celebrities, tons of food, all the different flavors, bunch of like, it was like a street carnival. Um, and what was really epic is the billboard right next to it was, you know, had had their advertising right there. So it was just nice. a good little like reminder that like the marathon still stands tall. Like we, the flagship store was a big thing. Like, you know, that was definitely the Mecca of where his music career started. Um, so for that not to be like there, it's dope to have like another home base and nice, follow yeah. up with what I said regarding the clothing store, the marathon clothing and, um, the new store on Melrose should be opening by the end of this year. Okay, We've already okay. done the screening for the marathon cultivation documentary on the rooftop. So they have a, a rooftop area where they, you know, host events, which also has a VIP shopping experience upstairs. And then from the street side, you can access the uh, the main retail experience. And that's going to be pretty big, have a lot of dope artwork and, um, you know, artifacts in regards to the marathon clothing. And, you know, the, the other spot has his Grammy, you know, has all the plaques. Yeah, like You yeah. can really go get some hip hop history and go see, like, literally the plaques that were for Nip. Yeah. Are there? The, his plaques are at at that spot like you could go be scanning right in front of his plot you know wow. not duplicates those are the ones that were for him because we he didn't get certified until after he passed away yeah, post so, yeah. yeah and he won that grammy for racks in the middle which is another one of my faves that that's in my exactly. favorites playlist that's still slaps um so, so hey, how- you can go look at that grammy that grammy's in a case right there I'm coming. <laughs> VIP, fine. when it when the grand opening uh, happens, please text me. I want to come. I need to see it for myself. Because <laughs> that sounds no, no, no. amazing. You can go see the Grammy right now at Marathon Cultivation. Really? Is, oh, okay. I thought you meant it was at the clothing store. Okay, so it's at the Cultivation. All right. Well, yeah. look, next stop, DJ. I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, I'll there. be on the West soon. Taking things out West. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's dope. What, what's your favorite uh, stream? They're all fire. I mean, I, you can never go wrong with the Marathon OG. Yeah. Um, just something that we, very nostalgic. It was, at the time, I believe it was the only strain that we had around when mm-hmm. when he was alive. That's the only strain that they have right now that I, you know, smoked with them. So, you know, yeah. I like just having some Marathon. It's nostalgic, you know, it takes me back whenever whenever I got it, you know. It's just, right. like I got nipped with me. And tell us the locations again, just if anybody didn't catch it. Um, the dispensary we, where we can catch that at and the Marathon uh, Clothing Store, if you can, just so the listeners can jot it down. Yeah, so the cultivation is in Canoga Park and it's on Canoga Avenue, mm-hmm. um, just north of Woodland Hills, maybe like a mile or two by the uh, the Warner Center. You yeah. should live over there, so I'm kind of familiar with it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then... Um, over in LA, just right off, you know, the main strip, Melrose right there, a little, maybe like a half mile to like maybe a mile tops away from my cool kicks towards mm-hmm. the 101, you'll, you'll find the marathon clothing. I don't think the signage is exposed yet, okay. um, but you know, definitely once it is available for uh, uh, patronizing, then, then people can know once we announce it. Yeah, once you announce it. You know, I love the fact that, you know, everything is in the family. You know what I mean? And I, I love the fact that everyone's still a part of 
all of these, you know, new things coming about. And you have a new thing coming about, right? (laughs) Speaking of family, (laughs) congratulations. You're about to have a baby. Man, I'm so juiced. Yes, pop of this. (laughs) Pop of this. I'm over here. I'm literally uh, over here, you know, just putting some diapers and loading up her little uh yeah uh changing station in the bedroom you know i'm I'm od with it we got a little rolling changing station so nice. we could change her in the bedroom we got the the changing station in her actual nursery yeah uh that's attached to her crib um so yeah we're ready man we got 53 days nobody's counting yeah um, <laughs> how many minutes how many minutes <laughs> Man, I don't know if, if it's up. You know, if it's up to me, man. Hopefully, she'll come right at midnight. I don't gotta wait any longer. That's right. <laughs> so, how? So, aside from the diapers, how else are you preparing? Are you reading books? Are you guys taking classes? I know your wife. Um, you guys both obviously are ready for the baby girl to come. So, what have you guys been doing for the whole pregnancy? There's a million things to do out there for pregnant couples. Did you guys latch on to anything? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we have some classes that we're supposed to go to, like, when she gets a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing a ton of reading. I don't I don't know if anybody buys books anymore, but, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got, we've been rocking with the internet, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, Rocking with the internet. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that's pretty much been it. We've been doing, you know, she's, she's very, very, DJ can tell you, you know, she's, she's very concerned about her health. She's a personal yeah. trainer. Um, she's always, you know, she she has fun. You know, she eats a little bit of junk food here and there, but yeah. like she makes sure she's getting her vitamins in, hitting all of her nutrients. I think the whole pregnancy, she only missed one day on her prenatals. Wow. And, you know, and she was like hard on herself because of that. She was like really, really hard on herself. I'm like, it's okay. Girls probably miss this shit half day pregnancy or something, you know, like don't even trip because, She's just on top of it, you know, she just, all these little things that I guess a lot of people have issues with from like becoming pre-diabetic and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she, she came back on her glucose test and everything was, was great. So I'm like, you're, you're fine. Like, don't worry about it. The homies and myself say that the baby's going to, before we knew it was a baby girl, we were saying the baby was going to be hopping out, like, you know, doing some push-ups or bench right. pressing just because <laughs> how athletic we are and yeah. how healthy she is. So. We've been doing our due diligence, making sure my my secret to anybody who, you know, either has a a pregnant significant other or otherwise Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they're dealing Mm -hmm. with, um, keep them fed and put them to bed. So I've never had a bad day with her Mm -hmm. when she, not like she has a lot of bad days. She's been amazing this pregnancy Mm -hmm. and she's not standing here next to me. She's at the gym right, right now. I'm not just saying this. But, oh, wow. She's at the gym but, right yeah, now. She, she, she's going to be training until she's 38 weeks. She's like she, the bomb. Stop. Yeah, she, she's not playing. Nah, she's not fucking around. What the fucking around? <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Nah, nah, that's, yeah, she, she was telling me that uh, apparently the activity actually increases, the, her physical activity increases the baby's brain health and development. She's right. I believe that. She's right. She's Blood right. Blood circulating, right? The yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. No, she's right. She's right. What, what are some of her cravings? I, I, I'll tell you my pregnancy craving. It's kind of gross, but I ate bananas and fluff. You know that marshmallow that comes in a jar? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All you was missing was ice cream. That kind of Yeah, but. Hey, you know what? Some fluff. I haven't tried that, but that would probably be crazy, like on some, like, some uh, banana pudding or something. Listen, Mm. yes. Listen, trust me. If you ever want to (laughs) just get get nasty, right? (laughs) Get some bananas, get a bottle of fluff, and literally, I would just take a knife and I'll take, like, a little scoop. I'll put it on the banana, bite. And it's the most delicious thing in the world. I (laughs) kid you not. That, and I ate. Chinese food. Like, I love chicken and broccoli with garlic sauce when I was pregnant. So, does she have any cravings? <laughs> How many times did you have to leave at 3 in the morning for ice cream or something? <laughs> I can't even lie. She hasn't sent me on one one run. And it's wow. not to say that, like, we, we, we stay stocked up because we're bad with, like, we usually buy groceries. Like, we've been doing it every week, but mm-hmm. we used to do it, like, every other day. So, mm-hmm. it was like, if you want something, then it's probably not here. Right. <laughs> Unless we plan on getting right. it, right? But she hasn't. She hasn't sent me on any crazy runs. Not like there's been one time where she like wanted me to get something. I was just hella tired. I for sure complained about it, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm tripping. Let me just get this over with." Right, right, um, right. For the most part, no major cravings. I mean, she definitely had a a fresh fruit kick during the mm-hmm. second trimester, but other than that, like she's she hasn't ate anything like outside of her diet she's Mm -hmm. been dealing with we we caught covid last september okay okay so she never regained her her like like of chocolate like she used to love chocolate oh so she lost it okay she doesn't like chocolate anymore like the taste of chocolate is like disgusting her Mm -hmm. like whether it be a chocolate bar or a chocolate milkshake or Mm -hmm. like any like Anything chocolate, even uh, like I got something from Starbucks. I think it was like mocha. Oh, yeah, but yeah. She wasn't rocking with that either. Wow. Oh, she don't even like the drizzle. <laughs> she, she, yeah, she's not she even fucking with the drizzle. <laughs> Yo, I'm really excited for you. I love new parents, man. My, like I said, my daughter's 20, so she's, you know, she's older now. And it's like when I see my friends and my family having new babies, I, biggest advice I'll give you when they sleep, you sleep. That's it. That is how you do it. Hundred percent. When they and sleep, the you sleep. I got the the moving bassinet, and like you know, uh, I heard a big thing that helps is they make these like they're basically mini sleeping bags for babies, but they're like weighted blankets. Mm-hmm. And I guess my one of my neighbors, they just had their baby who turned a year old, and she said that ever since she put her baby in the weighted blanket, he was sleeping thirty. To forty-five minutes longer every time he was going to sleep. Whoa, that is the cheat code. <laughs> yeah, you might, we might have to drop the Amazon link for my new parents because that's definitely the cheat code. I got statistics Wait, with that one. Bags. No, but that's the other thing too. Like you get the baby, it's like everything looks so cute. You know what I mean? It's like next thing you know, I the, can't go into Target without yeah, buying Target's something. Yeah, Target's like, shit. Yeah, they have so much. You know, I'm not even gonna lie. When we were out in um. Tahoe, we had to make a run for some supplies. So we went down to Carson City. We went out to Tahoe for our baby moon, our last little vacation before. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was recently. And yeah, exactly. We got mm-hmm. some, you know, content shots with, uh, you know, baby bags and our stroller and just all kinds of stuff. And just we're having fun with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Doing our thing. To. Went down to Walmart. And I don't go to Walmart often. I don't live like super close to a huge Walmart super center, like a, a legit super center. Uh-huh. The ones that are like, retardedly big and they're the only store in like 50 miles right right like i went to one of those and bro why were we finding carters and carters is a good brand of like 
kids clothing. Yeah, they yeah, had yeah. Carters at Walmart and they had like shorts and pants and t-shirts for like two or three dollars. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna start busting going Walmart crazy. Baby clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go crazy. Everything is so cute, but it's so much fun. You know, I always tell people I'm like having a baby is the biggest job, but it's the biggest reward. And even I was telling you, I was like, man, your minute she's here, it's like this instant love. Like you've never felt it before. You know what I mean? So Congratulations again. I think that's beautiful. And I'm really excited for you. When when does she do? October 29th. But I feel like she's going to come early because ever since, I guess, kick counting starts at like 30 weeks. Uh huh. And when we had gone in for one of her appointments around like 21, 22, we were already getting 10 kicks in a minute. Oh, she went And they go. usually say the kick count is you know, 10 kicks in an hour at 30 weeks. Wow. I, wow. I think they kind of like misestimated her due date because they were going off the last time, like when she missed it. And right. that was like, I just think their timing is way off. I think they're having to be a little long. I think she's going to come like probably, or I don't know. I'm thinking a week before, like anywhere between like, three or four days before up until a week before. Yeah, yeah. Listen, like you said, you got to stay close. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's go time. So whenever it is, man, yeah. I'm so excited for you. Don't pass out, VIP. <laughs> so you gotta I was be... just talking to my sister earlier and she was saying how she was, uh, are you going to watch the baby come out? I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a saint. I was like, I'm going to have yeah, to like man. watch a webcam that's got a view from the back from another room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If I'm, if I'm hearing her sounds as well, like I might pass you gonna, out. With yeah, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose it. We'll try. You oh look, Amazon, you gotta buy the joint that them them weird ass niggas be having where it has like the two fans that goes around your neck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it blows air in your face so you don't pass out when you're at baseball games and shit. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. those things, yeah. You need you need air circulation, water, and somebody to catch you, God forbid. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, man. Listen, I don't want to keep you too long. I so appreciate this. I know you got to get back to your girl and your baby girl. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for tapping in. Um, obviously, if you want to drop your IG, just let us know where we can find you. My IG, all my socials, everything is at DJVIP510. And just so y'all know, we try to put this together. We really did. So apparently... We ain't fucking with JetBlue no more. JetBlue. Right, fucking JetBlue. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I can't even feel bad. I mean, I'm glad we got this off, but like to not be selfish, there was a lady at the gate who was talking about she needed to get to New York in the morning for a layover to get to an early morning type, early afternoon wedding for her best friend that she was going to miss. Oh, and they're like, oh, we're going to give you $2,000. And she's like, $2,000? You could give me $10,000. I don't care. I need to get to where I'm going. Right. So, you know, like when we were talking, you know, you said it was just a road bump. I said it ain't a road bump. We just pivoting, you know, like yeah. it ain't even going to slow down. We just going to do it a different way. So I'm glad we got to do this. The next one will definitely be in person, whether it's in New York or you happen to come out to LA, you know, we'll put it together. Yeah, listen, I'm going to be in LA sooner than you know. Nice. And I'm coming with gifts. I'm going to bring you, baby, some fly shit from Target. Oh, that's love. Thank you. Thank <laughs> of you. Thank course. you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Absolutely. VIP, thank you so, so, so much. I will you see you soon. You know what you soon. can do? Find me some little, some in, in, in some real New York style, find me some New York Tim. 
Yo, listen, matter of fact, matter of fact, you want to know what's crazy? I go do that shit right now. Send that shit back with DJ. What, 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 what we want? We Ooh, want a one T, a two T. What, what we want? <laughs> yeah, where, what, what age you yeah, want her what, to rock age, but when, when do you want her to stomp with the big dogs? That's all I need She's to know. She's stomping in the, the one T's. As soon as she could get in some hard, some hard bottoms, run it. Yo, okay. I got, listen, I kid you not. I'm picking them shits up. They're going back with DJ. I kid you not. All right, that's love. Thank you. I that's appreciate a fact, it. That's crazy. Man. That's love. Thank nah, 100%. You. And we're going to get her to cheddar deadas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 Butter yetas. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Yo, thank you so much, VIP. We'll talk to you soon. Thank Take you. Take care, bro. Thank Take care. Y'all you. be good. Right. Man, what a treat, man. What a treat. That. that was good, DJ man. VIP. You know what I'm saying? Yo, thank y'all for listening uh, to this amazing convo. We'll be back soon. Um, we got big guests. We got big energy. We got big strife. We got big DJ. Yeah. <laughs> you know facts, what I'm saying? Facts, Everything facts, big facts. over here. Ain't nothing little about the Chili B show. You heard? Later.